welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. In today's podcast, we feature an episode from Ask a Painter Live with Nick Slavic. Good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday. Uh, this is the beautiful, beautiful Saturday here. Um, I am Nick Slavic. I'm the proprietor of the Nick Slavic Painting and Restoration Company. I'm also the host of this show, Ask a Painter Live. It's a weekly live Facebook show where I use my almost three decades of experience from a little guy in the trade learning with my father to now owning my own business uh, to answer any of your questions and talk about any topics. And uh, we are here on the Slavic farm today. It is a glorious long weekend. So my company works a four day work week. I still work Fridays, but it's a uh, work Fridays is a different kind of work Fridays. So uh, it's more of like a free work day for me where I can work on a lot of the projects I want to. So uh, basically the people in my company have a long, long weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, because Monday is 4th of July. Um, a little more relaxed show today. I wanted to uh, take time with the family, with the dog and everything. Uh, of course, we have Sig, our little Brittany Spaniel here, who just graduated hunting school. So he's wandering around and we're, we're bringing him back into the family again. He's been gone for three months, uh, learning obedience and then hunting stuff. So it's been really fun to have him back. And of course, uh, you guys saw yesterday, uh, I took him on a celebratory wilderness walk as we do on Fridays, where we let him go out and be a dog and go wander around. So it's been really fun with him here. Um, today, we're going to talk about economic indicators and some of the anecdotal economic indicators and I've been seeing. Um, this is not one of these shows where it's like recession is coming. What are you going to do? Because again, none of us know that uh, to be true. What this show is, I'm going to, I'm going to share some of the data and the insight and the experiences we've been having in the last six months in my business. And I would love you guys to contribute to that as well um, to see if we can start finding a pattern in this because every year is going to be a little bit different. And um, there's lead, leading and trailing indicators of this stuff. Leading indicators would be things that we're starting to see that indicate a change in something. And trailing indicators would be after it's done, that was an indicator that something then had happened. So uh, we're just going to dabble in that today. And I would absolutely love you guys to share your experience as well with this stuff. I am not Nostradamus, obviously, and uh, I am not going to make any predictions. And uh, I'll have a pretty big piece of advice for you guys um, that I've stuck to uh, with great effect at the end of this whole thing. So good morning, Cades. Um, Otto, you want to be on SIG duty here? Sure. Okay. I need to go get a new shirt, quick. <laughs> okay, new shirt. All right. Um, so first off, let's get some business out of the way, and then let's just have an open discussion. And of course, we can talk about economic indicators. I want to know what's changing with you, your employees, your clients, business this year. Uh, but also, um, yeah, we're just going to talk about business in general. And then any topic, any question, of course, we can talk about oil primer uh, until the day is long, if you guys would like to. So the PCA has packed. The Painting Contractors Association has packed a year full of in-person events. Of course, we have master's classes. We have Sherwin-Williams Business Building Expos and Pro Shows. Uh, we have my friend Chris Moore and a whole bunch of other speakers that are going out and and uh, bringing these in-person events back. Like Chris Moore was just in San Diego at a stadium on the Jumbotron presenting to people. Um, I'll be going to Southern California, I believe, in uh, excuse me, Southern um, uh, Florida 
in uh, later on in uh, in August, I believe, and we'll be there at a, at a soccer stadium. So this is fun. It's all back. Uh, these in-person events are really special. So like when when I make a value proposition for the PCA um, on this thing, what I don't do is just post the membership link. What I don't do is just say, well, here, 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 here. I want to give you guys something special because the Ask a Painter people are kind of a special group of people. Um, you would you would really benefit from these in-person events. Uh, the Cades who are watching here. Um, I was just in uh, Missouri last week and we sat down for an entire day. Uh, we presented the professionalization master's class. We had an open question and answer, answer form in the afternoon. And we even had lunch together to talk a bunch of this stuff too. So it was an absolutely awesome time. Uh, I really loved it. Oh, Sig, Sig, come on bud, good boy. <laughs> So we have, um, yeah, I'll, I'll describe this a little bit later, but uh, hey, buddy. Uh, yeah, uh, it's going to be an awesome show today. I would love to hear some indicators from you guys, some experiences. I would like to know what's changed in business this year. So let's just hop right into it. So, all right, buddy, you're good to go. Um, biggest thing that I've seen different this year is I can statistically prove that there was no spring rush. So um, in thinking about the strategy of a, of a painting company, um, one of the biggest downfalls, and I've lived this too. I mean, I, I've, I have been a single person painting company, the statistical average in our industry more than I have not. So one of the things that was a huge problem for me when I was a single person painter was I would book up a summer or two in advance because there's not enough good professional contractors to go around. And when I say professional, this isn't big business. These are people who provide a great experience to the client, a great coating, uh, a great finish. And obviously, um, the the biggest trend in our industry, the biggest problem with our industry is a lot of those people don't price themselves uh, professionally enough so that they, they, they can stay in business longer than one to three years. So um, the biggest problem for me was there wasn't enough me to go around and I would book up. I mean, I'd be on a Victorian restoration for four or five weeks myself and that takes up, you know, possibly a fourth of the summer for one house. So. Um, one of the things that I wanted to do with my business as a strategy was take your lead time down so you could actually help people. Um, we are on this beautiful, beautiful custom lake home now, stone, wood, all this crazy custom finishes outside. Um, and it was a house that I had uh, helped the clients with new uh, 10 or 12 years ago. They called me back and they say, Nick, is it even a possibility? Is it even a possibility to get in this year? And I was like, oh my God, that's right. Your, your experience with me has been uh, that I'm booked up a year in advance. And I was like, oh no, absolutely. We can get to you within a month. This is no problem at all. And they were just blown away like, oh my God, this is not the, the Nick Slavic painting and restoration that we knew before. So one of my strategies was, especially when these good clients call and need something done, if you don't have um, bandwidth to do it this year, I don't blame them for finding somebody else. I mean, having to wait uh, one, uh, six months to 12 months for somebody to come to your house is just not kind of how the, the world operates this year. And there are some businesses uh, businesses that obviously do that, but um, having that bandwidth is good. So my goal for the year, starting in January, was to, you know, we, we pack a lot of our marketing in the winter because winter tends to be a little bit slower and I wanna employ all my people at full capacity and keep jobs moving. So my goal was right about May in Minnesota, we get the amazing spring rush, like almost overwhelming. The phones, the emails, 
Uh, people have graduation parties. It's summer. They want everything done in May in Minnesota. So what I did was I started tapering off market to bring my estimators lead times down to about a week, uh, one to two weeks, right at May 1. I also wanted to bring our job lead down so that when somebody calls and they want their deck done, their surfer boy, when somebody calls uh, in April or May and wants their deck done in May, we actually have the capacity for it. And guess what? I did it. I tapered off my marketing to the point where my estimator's lead time went to about one week at May 1st. Um, we have about eight different kinds of jobs that we track for lead times. Things like drywall were way out. Things like other things were like, you know, um, things like, uh, uh, you know, walls, cabinets, decks, things like that were a couple weeks out. So it was just perfect. And it was going to be a great competitive advantage even to have capacity and professional communication. Uh, I, w I thought it was going to be a huge boon this year. And guess what? Come May 1st, the spring rush never came and the lead time started dropping, dropping. So my estimators, they had less than a week lead time. So all of a sudden, that's the that's not the panic button. That's just the trigger more marketing. Sig, you want to come up here, bud? Come here. Come on. Good boy. Yeah, so it's a, it's a time where I had to put marketing in. So for the first time in the history of my company, 14, 15 years, I actually had to pay for, I actually had to pay for marketing in, uh, in summer. So we are going at a full marketing capacity. I mean, we're still within the realms of my budget um, because we're growing again this year. But I usually, um, I usually um, uh, hyper-focus my marketing on um, winter. So now we're probably going to have, well, we're still going to have a, a very robust marketing um, plan for the, um, uh, for the winter. But I actually had to taper up the marketing in May. And then I, I brought up the organic rush never showed up. And so I was able to then keep, you know, with, um, with marketing, bring my lead time to one to two weeks. But still, it was like the spring rush never came. I prepared for those organic leads to just blow up like that. And I thought, well, you know, again, the thing we always say in the upper Midwest is like, all right, maybe it was cold. Maybe it was gray. Maybe it was rainy. Maybe it's just a deferred spring rush. Well, guess what? It is the end of June. It is actually July, what, 2nd now? July 2nd? Yeah, it's July 2nd. The rush hasn't showed up yet. The organic rush never showed up at all. So it might still be deferred, but this is weird. I've never experienced this before. I'm also not telling you that this is the sign of a recession, an economic downturn, a housing crisis, uh, consumer confidence going down. I would never tie it to a macro thing. That's always been something that I've told myself, which is national politics, um, and national economic, macroeconomic, world politics, world economics probably will not affect my day-to-day -day operation in any noticeable way. But this is so different that I actually have to make mention of it. I'm still open to the idea that this is just still one tiny painting business in a big United States in a weird little geographical area. Might just be a weird statistical anomaly, but I like sharing that because if you start hearing that from people all over the country, then it might just be something to say, okay, well, maybe every, things are going to be different this year. Uh, and they're, they're different every year, but maybe this is the thing that we'll have to watch. And I'm still a firm believer that we can control our own destinies, um, at least as far as, you know, uh, the trades go. Now, if I was in um, cryptocurrency right now, you do not control your future. You are at the whim of an entire world, United States, uh, global economic system. But for us, absolutely. So, um, so no spring rush. That was weird. And because you guys know I love data plus feelings, that's just a feeling, right? It's like, well, you can say the leads were down, so there's a little bit of data there. So I actually went to my web guy and we pulled up all the analytics from Google, Google on my website and overlaid 2021 and 2022. 
And you can see that last year I tapered my marketing off, marketing off in April and May, and then there's monstrous organic spikes. And you can track it by weather. And this has always been a, a um, this has always been a thing that I've known here, uh, which is when you get a 78 degree sunny calm week in Minnesota, the first week of May, leads are going to go through the roof. People come out of their houses in Minnesota, they come out of hibernation, they start looking around at the deck and the outside and they start making calls to contractors. So we braced for it and it never happened this year and it still hasn't happened. So, all right. Oh, we got lots of questions here. I got four more economic indicators I want to talk to about. Uh, let's go through the questions first here. How's our little buddy doing? Just yeah. exploring the... So, before we get to some of these questions, uh, we're in year two. Hey, surfer boy. We're in year two of a uh, prairie restoration project out here. So what you can see out here is there's my fire pile and there's our fire ring. But out here, these are all wildflowers and native grasses uh, that would have been here long ago in Minnesota. And this is two years where we got rid of all the farmer crops out here. We planted a whole bunch of native seeds and we've been managing it over the years. So this year, finally, after two years of the process, we got beautiful wildflowers everywhere. Sig's out there wandering around looking for little birds and things like that. And this is, this is what we had dreamed of. So we're overlooking back there is our pond, our marsh, our woods back there. We got trails all around there for the kids to run around. And it's pretty cool back there, isn't it, bud? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's get to some questions here. Cades, good morning. Mark Adams, good morning. Uh, Francisco, good morning. Jesse Allen, as normal, a regular viewer. Carolyn Olson, awesome client of mine over in Lakeville. Uh, John Harrell, hey, gonna watch later, enjoying the pool right now. <laughs> Only second year in it myself, and I've seen the price of labor go up quite a bit. Seasonal work hasn't really changed. It's been busy uh, nonstop. I've had uh, several large whole house repaints remodels due to the flip and selling market. Yep, absolutely, man. Uh, what's interesting is that um, I've increased starting wages. Um, let's see. 20, 25% in the last year, uh, give or take. Um, we used to bring people in at 15 and move them towards 18 in their first year, and we're bringing them in at 18, uh, starting about a year ago doing that, just feeling that it was time for a change, not based on any economic thing, and uh, likely to move in, in the near future here. So Nick Rice, one-day apprenticeship. I'd like to hear more, Nick Rice. Sal, how's it going? Veronica, Dan Partain, all right, Nick Rice, you're posting a lot of comments. I'd like to hear a little bit more. You're not giving me much context here. Anthony Cade, same happened to us, only three weeks out versus three months out this time that year. And we talked about that in depth. And Anthony, I love, I love you and your wife's uh, data that you lent me there too, because it's uh, we have pretty similar markets here, although you guys have a longer summer. But uh, yeah, it's been great. So, uh, da, 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 Aaron... Carlos, 2022 wage increases, absolutely. So one of the weird things is that um, I'm generally not a fan of just, hey, here's, everybody just gets this this year. Uh, we actually have a six year compensation plan that lets people go from, you know, 30 to $36,000 $36, a year to a compensation plan, full benefits, health insurance, retirement, paid time off, uh, in about six years, uh, over 70 grand, things like that. So um, I prefer, Instead of just giving blanket wage increases, I like to have a compensation plan that'll move you way past any inflation wage increase based on your own performance. So just like me, I like to control my own destiny. And for somebody to come here, literally in their first you know year or two, they can move their wages 50%, give or take, uh, over the course of that sort of thing. So that to me is more of like a, uh, I like a system like that because if 
if you think that, you know, an 8%, uh, let's say if, if inflation is 8%, you should be making 8%. Well, how about this? I can do better. You do these couple simple things for our clients and our people, and I'll give you a 50% wage increase over the next year, give or take. So that's kind of how we have it set up. So Estimator Andy watching this morning. Good to see you, man. This Chase. That, no, no, oh, that's Chase yeah. Larson. <laughs> Nick Rice. Mate, you don't do any painting. Uh, Nick, you're kind of like all over the place here. So, Nick, uh, I have been a, a house painter. Uh, I think this is my 29th year. Dad started me when I was 10. I worked from 10 to 18 uh, for the family business. A fairly good house painter at that time. Um, I went to the Army. I went to college. I started my own business. Uh, and I've been running this business for about 15 years. Uh, for, the, uh, for the first 10 years of my business, I did all the painting myself. For the last five years, we've really got serious about having a leadership team and employees. And uh, this last week, I led a eight-person team on a super complicated uh, wood restoration project outside where I led my technical knowledge, and it's a force multiplier. So I know in depth all the coding science. I can assist my people, show them the standard, show them a few techniques, make a plan for the day. And even though they haven't done it yet, they have the craftsperson and the apprenticeship knowledge. And then I weaponize my own knowledge to help them to give our clients good uh, finishing experience. So Carlos, how's it going? Juan, good to see you. Jesse Allen, lifts or ladders on residential? Spent the first 15 years uh, as a painter on uh, aluminum planks and ladder jacks. Now I can't find people that will go over 10 feet without a lift. Expensive, slow, potentially damaging to the residential. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, if we can get um, if we can get a lift into somewhere, it, it's faster and it's safer for our people. But nowadays, Jesse, you know, we're in the same geographical area. Every house is a split level house. So a split level means when you're looking at the front of the house, it's either one or two levels, but every backyard drops off because, um, or excuse me, a walkout, a walkout. Everybody wants that basement with a patio door you can walk out. Instead of just digging a 12 foot hole into the ground and having no egress out of it, everybody wants that backyard that slopes down 10 feet. Problem with that is those two sides on the houses are so steep and the landscaping now is so crazy. The houses are closest together. You're not going to get a normal lift back there. And if you do, you're going to pay $10,000 to do the landscaping. So honestly, it's just ladders and stuff with most of that stuff. So kind of is what it is. Jason Webb, how's it going? Good morning. Uh, <laughs> Lauren. <laughs> yeah, we got somebody just going crazy with the comments. I'm always happy to help. I'm an open book. Thomas Drake, how's it going, man? Eric Sowers, good to see you. Sam Larson, apprenticeship extraordinaire watching this morning, uh, one of our awesome apprentices. Uh, Andy, uh, Andy, estimator Andy, the world famous estimator Andy. Uh, I actually crept up on our other estimator, estimator Ian, uh, and when we do his hashtag estimator Ian, it actually spells out estimatorian, which is now his nickname. Um, I came and did an estimate uh, with him. And uh, he had a great time. The clients were awesome. And uh, it wasn't one of those surprise shakedowns. It was more of like I was in the area. Uh, he was on Prior Lake, which is a beautiful lake. And I was like, hey, I'll go see these clients. We'll go see Ian and just show him some support. And it was an awesome time this last week. So Andy, don't be surprised if I show up on one of your estimates here pretty soon too. So morning, Sam. Want to say hi to Sam? Hi, Sam. <laughs> here, we can put you on there too, buddy. Ah, Quentin, good morning. Morning, Quentin. How's it going, man? Good to see you, Ian. Oh, there we go. Good morning, good morning, uh, Francisco. Uh, Saturday mornings are therapy. Thanks, Nick. Hey, man, listen, uh, I love this open forum. And, uh, you know, on 
the more I do the Ask a Painter Live stuff, the more I get uh, almost like, I get this kind of selfish feeling where I feel like I benefit from this even more than most people watching because it's a time to connect with my people from all over the country and the world and talk about the things most on my mind. So this has been a really fun thing. The Ask a Painter Live is you know almost six years old now. It's been a weekly broadcast for six years and it's basically charted my life from a single person painter to this. And it's charted our life from buying this farm and uh, building out here and raising these little guys and things like this. So it's a really fun time capsule that if these guys are ever interested, it's there for them and they can watch back. So yeah, so Andy Hall, Estimatorian, that's it. Oh, look at, look at that one. <laughs> What's it say? Hi, Otto. Who's it from? Sam. Morning, Sam. Uh, we had an awesome time at leadership coaching yesterday too at Atlands Cafe and Sam of course was there. She's a regular and it's a it's a leadership coaching group where we try to grow the next uh, leaders uh, of the company at a very high level. So, all right, let's get back to some more economic indicators here. You guys put your questions in. I want to know what your experience has been this year. Has there anything has there been anything that's changed either anecdotal or statistically that you can prove? I would really like to know that. So, Cost of lead acquisition. Now, I use these economic terms, and I don't want to sound like some, you know, uh, cold-blooded business person here. But here's the deal: if the natural spring rush never shows up, and uh, you need, you want to fill that summer, you're going to have to pay for marketing, which means the cost of getting a lead or an estimate or a job goes up. So now, um, in the 14, 13 other years of my business, we've kind of shut marketing off in the summer and let that sort of like, you know, natural stuff take place. Now. Now the big thing is it costs more, which isn't a big deal. It's not the end of the world, but typically uh, for for us, it costs about $110 uh, to get a lead to the estimate thing. And we do about 40 estimates a week. So you can imagine that if all the, um, if the, uh, if the organic leads drop off, when typically in the summer, it would all be word of mouth, uh, natural organic uh, demand, things like that. If you now have to pay, you know, somewhere between $75 and $110 a lead, it adds cost to the business. Again, which is as business owners, we're problem solvers, we're going to do it. This is going to go forward. I am going to take care of my people. It's just something different we have to do here. So um, it's going to be really, really interesting on that. So now the cost of acquisition goes a little bit higher. And because I just wanted to know if, well, let's say maybe my marketing wasn't as robust as it could be. I still think that this is something that I created things like that. I don't think that I'm being affected by a macroeconomic trend, although there are indicators that say there might be some of that, but I still believe that I can control this and I can, and we are, which is really, really cool here. So um, basically uh, what, I, what, what we're doing is, um, yeah, just increasing marketing, keeping our people moving and doing a whole bunch of that stuff there. So, um, okay, let's go through a couple more, then we'll hit the next economic uh, indicator here. So uh, da, 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 da. good morning, everybody. Jason Webb, starting to see things slowing down a little bit. I'd like to know what, uh, Jason, what is actually slowing down here? Um, oh, Austin, this is a good one here. Let's see if I can expand. Sorry, I'm trying to expand your comment here. Any advice on being more present with friends and family? I feel like my mind is always thinking about business and struggle to fully shut it off. Congratulations, you're an entrepreneur and a thoughtful person and, and empathetic. And people like you and me will always struggle from this. It is an all-encompassing. Sit <laughs> on a deer leg. Nice. Oh, it's chewing on a deer leg. <laughs> so it's all encompassing. And um, part of me thinks 
it's something that you're kind of stricken with. It, it's all consuming. I think about it the second I lay my head down at night, I think about my people. In the morning, I wake up and I start thinking about my people again, both clients and employees. And at sometimes you can you can have other people lead you to believe that that's a curse. And I do not think that is. It's we're empathetic, we're thoughtful people, and we care about those around us. And that's a that's a good thing to have as an employer because that is not a prevalent thing in a lot of employers out there. Now it becomes a problem when you forsake the people around you. And if I'm being honest with you, I've not mastered this. And you can ask my family, and they will tell you I haven't mastered it either. But um, being present uh, is a combination of having your mind and body in the same place. And I'm doing better with getting my body in the right place, but my mind is still kind of wandering around. So, yeah. Yeah. I know. Wookie bio. <laughs> so, uh, I'm actually, I actually have uh, two, two ways that I'm dealing with that now. I have a, a professional business coach, kind of performance coach. And I also have a like uh, somebody that I talk to about mental well-being and being present and things like that and and focusing your mind and, and the performance of the mind and just trying to like be a more effective leader so that I can take care of my people better and things like that. And it's a long process. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. Now, uh, one of the people uh, that I would, well, two of the people, honestly, I would talk to Jason Paris. Jason Paris has done a very good job of this. He walls off portions of his life very well. Uh, Noah Cantor is somebody that I feel does really well with this too. And he's actually got some like breathing exercises and things to center your mind, make your mind more productive and focused and things like that. And it actually helps a lot. So it's a, it's a really cool thing. But the, the big takeaway is, um, it's not easy. It's not fast. You have to be intentional and you have to work at it really, really hard here. So, uh, Austin Schumacher, thank you very much. Um, Nick Rice, still trying to figure out what you're talking about, man. Love you to death. Uh, you have to give me some context here. Uh, when should we hire a dedicated estimator? I'm a believer that once you have about 10 employees or a million dollars in revenue, you have the war chest to afford uh, somebody of the caliber of estimatorian or estimator Andy, somebody like that. You can certainly hire an estimator before that, um, but uh, it does uh, an overhead position of that size and magnitude. I mean, you have to compensate them well. An overhead size of that position will take up a lot of your overhead. So you really have to make sure like there's even even one more. Sorry, I'm scattered thoughts right here. There's so much to think about here. So um, what I would what I would say is um, even if you can afford them when you have five painters, that's usually about a uh, $500,000 painting company. Even if you can afford them at that time, the problem is estimator Andy's going to sell about 2 million to 2.5 million worth of uh, business this year. Uh, estimator Ian will probably do 1.5 to two. He didn't start at the full year, so he's got a shorter schedule this year. Uh, he's going to be pushing towards two there as well too. So problem is if you've got a $500,000 business and you take somebody like uh, high speed estimator, Andy, he's going to get out there and sell you two and a half million bucks of work. You're only going to be able to produce 500,000. And then at Andy's only going to be able to be bonused on 500,000 and not two and a half million. So now all of a sudden, even if you can afford him, you're going to have problem with him saying, well, listen, you don't even have a company that can support the work that I'm selling. I'm going to go find something else or you need to grow this business. So there's a couple little like basic sniff test things that you can do to, to sort of do that. Um, 
do do do. Uh, Eric Sowers, love that question. Thomas Drake, love Thomas Drake. We've seen uh, a huge increase in lead costs from Google. Average is thirty to forty, and it's eighty-five to one hundred. Man, I would I would kill to have that <laughs> uh, that cost for Google. We actually we still do a bunch of Google every month. You know, we do the bare minimum, but boy. Google leads were expensive, man. It got to the point where uh, about two years ago, the last time I did a super in-depth experiment with Google AdWords to see if we could just move all our marketing to Google AdWords, which is my dream, right? It was costing about $1,100 per completed job that I got through Google. And you can imagine those are $400 bedrooms. Those might be $40,000 Victorians. But either way, that's a large acquisition cost for those. And most of our jobs, average job size is six grand. So, I mean, you can imagine that wrecks havoc if you're paying 1100 bucks for every completed job. You know, that's a, that's a lot of money. <laughs> that's a lot of money. Freddie Carrillo, bonjour, Nick, as always. Great content and learning. Listen, Freddie is the man. Freddie is, um, he's a big shot at Sherwin-Williams. He was just here in Minnesota. He was responsible for my Brazil trip. And uh, he is now in the United States, corporate level, and he's the liaison to professional contractors. And we've been working very closely. So we got a guy, we got Freddie, who's who's been doing crazy stuff in South America. Now he's in the US. It's absolutely amazing to have him. And Freddie, if you guys haven't met him, like at the PBN event, he is an advocate for what we do. And nobody, nobody wants the professionalization of this industry to happen more than Freddie. And we're gonna be working very closely in the next couple of years. So, Borgia, obrigado, my friend. Uh, I can't thank you enough for all the support. It's just been awesome. So, uh, Erica Myers. Ah, Jason Webb, just started uh, lead finding site up again to make sure we're busy. Absolutely. Lauren Fink, the great and powerful Lauren Fink, uh, up and comer in the industry, doing amazing things. Uh, what if workers leave a rough surface? Um, Nick, <laughs> got to give me more, man. <laughs> uh, if you're looking for a standard operating procedure, you have to tell me what kind of project, what the end results are you want, and what the problems are in between. Uh, Dustin Hutchinson, no stimulus checks this year. People have less resources available. Uh, unless they get with a good employer, then you have all the resources in the world. You got a support system too. Gerardo, good to see you, man. <laughs> Jason Webb, a lot of people have work done over the pandemic, still busy with work, booked into new leads, not so busy. Interesting, Jason. I love the indicator there. Um, Lauren Fink, you've been traveling a lot and seeing paint contractors around the country. What are your takeaways for the last three trips? Yeah, so confirmation about the ethos. The the um, I want to be very kind to my, my fellow painters and craftspeople and business owners too, but there still is this pervasive... Um, regressive thinking in the industry, which is I sat down in Milwaukee at a table of contractors during a pro show. There must've been six, 700 contractors there. And we sat down um, <clears throat> uh, for lunch, uh, open bar, of course, it's Milwaukee and it's painters. So they had a crazy open bar there. So it attracted lots of painters. And I sat down with a group of about six guys. And one person um, kind of gave me re reassurance of, of the thinking in the industry, which is, he said, hey, boy, we're all missing out on time. We should all be painting. And of course, I'm like, yeah, I know. We're all sitting here having lunch, having a beer or whatever. It's like, we should be out there painting, you know? And he's go, and he said, I'm missing out on $35 every hour that I'm sitting here. And he's a business owner. And now, with respect, it's great, right? Like making $35 an hour is a pretty good living. The problem is not when you're a business owner. You have overhead, you have taxes, uh, you have all this other stuff. You're doing free estimates, things like that. Um, a professionalized business for the last five years, we've kind of been landing on the $55 of revenue charging and generation per hour. It really should be moved up towards 75 now. So uh, should we check in with Sig? But that yeah. lets you know, that lets you, Sig!
Sig. Sig. But that lets you know uh, where our industry at. And, and I've, I've heard this time and time again with people saying, well, listen, if Nick will only pay me $30 an hour to work in his company, I'm going to start my own business and charge 35. Then I just got a $5 an hour raise. You don't understand that if you're not charging at least 55 or making at least 55, you're going to go bankrupt very quickly when you find out about taxes and things like that. So it costs a lot of money to run a business. I mean, the number one, I sat down with somebody who said, hey, Nick, uh, I want to I wanna start a business. Um, what's that look like? And I say, well, first off, you got to file with the state. That's probably 400 bucks. And then you're going to have to get insurance, uh, both uh, work comp if you have employees and liability. And that's going to cost you... It could cost a couple thousand a month. And they said, hell no, that's all. That's too much money. I'm not laying that out. I said, that is the bare minimum of owning a business. And if that is a bridge too far, I would I would either change your thinking about that or uh, work for somebody then. Uh, but either way, that's the kind of thinking that we have to, again, not bad, not worse. That guy had a great life for himself. The problem is if he, if he broke his leg, he's not cashing away a ton of money there to look out for his family. And if he breaks his leg, his business goes away. And his utilitary, uh, his, his utility to his family and, and the painting industry has gone away and he has to find something else, which has caused a drastic change in the lifestyle of a business. So pricing in risk is a big thing, Lauren. And I absolutely love, I have been a single person house painter doing everything myself for longer than I have had employees. And I, I know the risk that that goes. If, if I was in year two of this business and I had a, a catastrophic back injury and I couldn't work anymore, I would have had to completely shift the current and future state of my family. And if I was charging, I undercharged. And this is, this is not me poo-pooing these painters. I gave my work away for longer than I haven't because I underpriced my value. I worked like a dog. I was working at 20, I, I created a job for myself that was $21.5 an hour but I worked a hundred hours a week. So I made a lot of money at the end of the year, but that's not sustainable. That's not sustainable. That's, that's your body hitting the rev limiter every day, things like that. So working smarter, not harder is a big thing. Uh, so Lauren, uh, confirmation that that thinking still exists here. And we need to just expose people that being a professional business doesn't mean you have to have employees. You don't have to have a holdings company. You don't have to have shareholders like Jason Paris. You can be a single person painting company, have standard operating procedures, a sales process, know what to charge professionally. You can take your lead time down from a year and a half to three months and you can be making double the amount of money and then that will take the pressure off you. You will not resent your clients for giving your work away and it will also allow you to make more money so that you don't feel you have to work 100 hours and spend time with your family. So think about this. Um, a plumber will come to your house and for 120 to $180 plunge your toilet. Have you ever found a plumber for $35 an hour? Unless they're uh, unless they're a uh, non-legal uh, non-legal entity, or unless they're a side cash job or a friend or something like that, go to a, a an automotive mechanic and see what they charge per hour. Minimum minimum I'm finding is eighty five to one hundred and fifty dollars an hour. There, they know that there's a professional charge rate out there. They know the market rate for it. With painters, you have some guys charging $200 an hour because they do crazy high-end finishes. I would argue you, you should probably charge more because it's amazing value. You guys got some, some people out there charging 25 bucks an hour, give or take. You know, they'll charge $90 to paint a bedroom and they'll spend half a day there. Like, we don't know the value. And it's this is not me saying gouge the clients, do this. But the average lifespan of a painting business is one to three years and the average business owner makes $43,000 a year. So that's an indication that we're not charging a professional rate when every plumber, every electrician, every automotive mechanic shop 
knows what a professional rate is because they got this crazy shop and they got insurances and they got tools, they got certifications. And if they don't charge that, they're out of business. If we don't charge that, we're out of business and we can't provide this service to our client. So what I'm trying to say is find a happy medium between what you charge, what you make, your time with your family, the value to the clients, and the experience in your company. Diane, good morning. Uh, Thomas Powell, hey, how's it going, Sean Davis? Uh, Scotty LaFleur, probably biggest challenge this year has been meteoric, meteoric rise in gas and product, as well as being able to get said product. Mm, come on, expand, expand, expand. There we go. Plenty of work, uh, barring economic collapse, which is very likely. So Scotty, I would say if you knew that, I would sell everything you own and short the market. You would retire a very rich man. But since we don't know that and we can't prove it, um, people always kind of rely on the gas prices and the uh, cost of paint or the inavailability of paint. So immediately, two and a half years ago, when that uh, raw material in Texas, raw material plant in Texas froze and there were supply chain shortages, what I did was I made a somewhere between a three and a six item contingency plan for every finish that we have. So we prime trim with oil primer. Here's the six that I would use, starting from what I want to, well, we'll use it if we have to, but you know, whatever's available. But we did that with every coating and we've had no problems getting coatings. Now, I shouldn't say no problems. There are things that we want a whole bunch of immediately that we just can't get that, but we work with our rep. We have an amazing relationship with our reps and they're here to help us because Lord knows they want to sell us paint. If you think your paint reps do not want to sell you paint, you are lying to yourself. So instead of going to them and yelling at them, I would say, here's the thing that I need to solve. How can we work together to solve this? And they have been amazingly helpful, an insane boon to my business. My store managers, my reps, they've been a crazy help to the business um, over the time, uh, over the last two and a half years here. Fuel prices. Yes, fuel prices have gone up, but calculate that as a percentage of your revenue. It's actually very small. Also, worry about the things you can control. So number one, is there anything you can do about gas prices? Fuel saver card, buy in bulk, things like that. Sig. And so what I did, I did the thing that you can do the most to control fuel prices, which is I bought a thousand gallon fuel tank. This is probably, I don't know, three years ago, something like that two, three years ago, and we get a 30, per, uh, 30 cent discount. We get two deliveries a month, and we have all our vans fill up at one stationary point. So you could argue, I actually did something. There's not much you can do to lower gas prices. I did that. Uh, I, I did as much as I can. Now, after that, I don't think about it. I can't control the global uh, oil supply or the price of it, things like that. So I did something. We did as best we could. Now we move on. It's I will tell you this, if you think about the price of paint, if you think about the price of fuel and that fixate on that, and it takes you away from taking care of your people, that is a wrong decision. So we know that labor is gonna be the biggest expense that we have every year. So we focus all our time on developing our labor and giving people a good time here so that they stay with us. Uh, let's see, Jesse started exterior deck season with the usually 10 to 15 hour project rollover from last 10 to 15 project rollover from last year. Haven't seen a noticeable drop in organic leads about three to five weeks out, both Metro and rural hoping to start booking 2023. Yeah, Jesse, that's a great data point, man. That's, that's a, that's, I like that a lot. Thomas Powell. Thanks for the stars. So I will say, um, guys, I don't know what these stars are. Uh, evidently if we accumulate them, Facebook will pay me something. And like I promised, 
once we get to the point where they start paying me for them, we're going to do something fun with them. I'm not going to use them for my own personal use. We'll find some creative way to give back to the viewers here. So if you want to drop some stars, do it. We'll figure it out when we get them. Uh, also, if you guys wouldn't mind right now, we got a lot of viewers right now. Please just share this. Just hit share, guys. Get more people like us on here so we can have these awesome discussions. So Serta Pro Metro West, uh, up in Boston, my leads uh, year to year are down 12%. I've spent a little more on marketing than I did a year ago. Uh, we have seen pay-per-click costs go up and have actually uh, scaled back on digital marketing because we are not seeing an increase in conversions, uh, even though we were spending more. Yeah, agreed. I, I agree with that 100%. I'm still doing the tried and true flyer distribution, and that's working very well. So, <laughs> all right, should we check in with Sig? Yeah. He's right, by, man. he's right by the wood pile. Oh, is he? Oh. Yeah, he's killing our little deer. Right? Oh, he's good. Sorry, I just didn't see him behind the wood pile. Okay. So thanks for that data point. I know you guys track your um, uh, data very closely, and I appreciate that very much. Um, oh, Elliot, how's it going, man? One of my favorite people in the industry. I've seen Elliot uh, this year, and uh, it always, a, always a joy talking to him. So if estimators are booking more than production capacity, one solution would be to raise prices to decrease rate and increase margins to a point. Agreed. How high would you raise prices before feeling ridiculous? I love this, Elliot. This is a beautiful thing. So uh, two indications of that. Um, I would urge people to raise your prices uh, to the point where your lead time comes down to an uncomfortable point. Or if you're selling about 50% of your work, that's always been a general benchmark in the industry that you're kind of priced relatively right. Although I would say if you're a single person owner operator, <laughs> this is where the data points get tricky. We actually talked about this in St. Louis last week, which is if I was a single person owner operator, I would either want to close 10 to 20% of my leads, or I would want to close 80 to 100%. Why? Because uh, 10 to 20%, that data point would say, you're gonna, if you, if you price yourself even reasonably, you're gonna book out a year and a half in advance. There's not enough professional contractors. So I would say raise your price to the point where you're only closing 10 to 20% of your leads because you only need 30, 40 jobs a year, give or take. Or I would want you to close 80 to 100% because they're all referral, um, uh, word of mouth, uh, past clients, things like that. So they really should have a, either a super low rate or a super high rate. So, but Elliot, that's a perfect indication for me. When people say, this is the most, un, one of the more unsatisfying answers I can, I can always give, which is, um, how do you know your price right? I will say, if you have enough work for your business and you're making profitable margins on those, that's a good indication that you're priced right. If you are booked out a year and a half advance, a simple economic, sort of like theory would tell you, you're probably underpricing and giving out your, uh, giving out your uh, supply, uh, giving out your work for free. So Nick Rice, biggest problem we find is workers leave runs and paint rough surface. Oh, really? So Nick, that helps. Thank you. Now, what I would do is uh, in my company, in order to hold painters accountable to a standard, you have to number one, have a standard, a standard operating procedure, and you have to train that standard and you have to hold uh, compensation dependent on hitting those standards, things like that. So Nick, I would say if you have a written standard for your company and you train that standard and they're still performing flaws, I would get out in the field and support your people and show them the correct way. If they still don't, then you put them on a, on a performance plan, which is like, Hey, listen, we have a standard. You've been trained. I've supported you in the field. We need to see a market increase in somewhere between one day and 30 days. If you don't, we're going to have to talk about employment. If you can't meet the basic standard. And then you usually as an empathetic, supportive, uh, boss owner, uh, craftsperson, you would also want to ask like, you know, how can I support you in this? Is there something that I'm not doing in order? Uh, is there something I can do in order to make this successful for you? So 
it's it's a it's a good leadership test. So, ah, estimate Randy, Pro Metro West. Do you feel the leads are not as serious or just a bad fit for your company? That's a good question, Andy. Well done, my friend, Nate Mitchell. Ah, uh, let's see, Dustin Hutchinson. <laughs> Nate Mitchell, good morning. Jesse McCandless, no spring rush for me either, but already getting calls for winter interiors, still booked four to five months, but weird year for sure. Dustin Hutchinson, working for Nick is the best decision new painters can make. Michael Crane, thanks a lot. Carol Hansen, uh, I think he's right behind the wood pile here, Tuts. <laughs> Jesse McCandless, Paul Dibdahl, Michael Gerber said it best, you don't own a business, you own a job. Paul Dibdahl, God, I love talking to you, man. So one of the things that Jason and I have been going around and, and trying to teach painting contractors, which is something I've only learned in the last couple of years, is there's a big business between a big difference between owning a job and owning a business. Um, owning a job, this is not a value judgment. This is not one's right, one's wrong. Yes, you can file with the state of Minnesota as an LLC, and technically you own a business. But if you're a single owner operator, you own a job. A, Owning a job, being being self-employed, being a self-employed owner-operator means that the second you stop working, the revenue shuts off. Owning a business means you can stop working and the people you inspire to join you in the mission, they accomplish the things and generate the revenue and you're kind of just like overseeing it like that. This is not a value judgment. One isn't right, one isn't wrong, but you also have to understand there's pros and cons of both, which is the turkey truck test. If you own a job and your back gets hurt, you do not own that job anymore. And in fact, most owner operators, if you're not a W-2 employee of your own company, you cannot even get work comp. All my employees can get work comp. I can probably get it, but historically, if you are if you don't pay yourself a W-2 wage, if you're just the owner, you're not eligible for work comp. So you may get hurt on the job and not have any and not have any recourse unless you have a private disability plan, which I did for a lot of years because I couldn't get it. So Paul, I love that very much. Nick Rice. Uh, it's very hard to find help that doesn't leave runs, drags, or rough surface. So, Nick, um, unsatisfying. I never mean to push back on my fellow painters, business owners, craftspeople. That has everything to do with you setting the standard, you training, and supporting your people. Now, there's always going to be people that don't work out in that, either because of professional, personal reasons, personality type, motivation, things like that. But, Nick, there are people out there. We have an amazing group of people here that do that for our company. And it's setting up, being a good leader, setting up that thing so they know what a win looks like so they can move towards it. So you probably, you may have that. You may not have that. I don't know. But either way, um, the business owners should take that on and, and take, that, um, take that performance standard and then set it for the crews. And if people can't meet it, coach them. But then you got to get rid of them if they don't meet that standard, if, uh, even under coaching. Stan Tucker, Paul Rafferty, uh, Danny, good morning, Brett, Ricky Anderson, oh, Andy Sense of Stars, thanks man, I appreciate that, Megan Olson, how's it going, Nick Rice, do you feel Festool 180, do you like Festool 180 grit, so uh, we're kind of a surf prep company, uh, give or take, uh, and we like 3M Cubitron, uh, obviously we use the medium squishy pads for all our cabinets from surf prep, but um, you know, if you're talking about walls, I don't know. We normally don't power sand our walls, give or take. Uh, we, we use uh, Sherwin-Williams Duration Mat on the walls, and it seems to be low enough shine to hide all that stuff, but it doesn't have that crazy stipple and things like that, so it, it actually goes pretty well. Cades, thanks for the stars. Nate Mitchell just bought 
uh, 25 and 30, uh, 26 and 35 grit. Can't wait to see what those does, but 180 grit is good. Absolutely. We're starting to get some sprinkles here. I've heard Jason Paris say that something along the lines of many, oop, come back here. Many paint companies eventually price themselves out of business. Can you elaborate what that means? Yes, this is something that Jason and I have found to be statistically true, which is the average lifespan of a paint business is one to three years. The average take-home pay of a paint business owner is $43,000 a year. What does that tell you? You're taking on all this risk, all this um, um, angst of taking on a business, and you're making 21 and a half bucks an hour. Hey, can you give me an umbrella, bud? Yeah. Thank you. And uh, yeah, no wonder. You get hit with taxes in your first year, or you get one client that doesn't pay you, and you're out because you're charging 35 bucks an hour. You really should be charging and producing 75 plus an hour as a as a craftsperson and i have a lot of data back from when um i was a single person painter that i could easily produce between 100 and 200 dollars of revenue an hour just because i moved really quick on job sites give or take it's nothing special about me anybody can do that i know estimator andy did the same thing too where we can we can have a fairly low price and make it up with we're just moving fast moving fast things like that so brent judd thanks for the stars paul dibdahl best nugget you just dropped you can't hold your painters accountable to a standard of your business if you don't have standards. Dude, that's it. And again, uh, one thing that I push back, one thing that I push back a little bit is when, when you, you ask somebody, they'll say like, oh, hey, um, do you have standard operating procedures in your business? And they'll say, absolutely we do. I said, you, you hate to call their bluff. You hate to push back on painters, but it's like, show me. And it's like, well, no, everybody knows what they're doing. They're not written down. We just know. If they're not written down, they don't exist. So write them down. Uh, teach people about them, train them, and support your people in them. Certipro, uh, we had a problem with the quality of leads from Home Advisor. Oh, come back, Certipro Midwest, Metro West, Angie's List. So we don't use their services. In terms of pay per click, we have had a slight uptick in leads that are not a great fit. I've gone uh, through quite a bit few estimates with customers looking for the cheapest price possible. And the homes were built in 1950 and full of lead. Yeah, that's we're going to get that stuff. And I found uh, the same data set. Uh, give or take. Oh, thanks, bud. I found the same. <laughs> thanks, dude. I'm going to put it down for now because we just got a sprinkle, but I want to, I want to make sure that we, uh, yeah, in case that rain comes. So, um, yeah, I've seen the same data set in, um, social media leads too. Like I can pull lever and get more leads out of social media, but they just feel like tire kickers and that's not bad, right? Like I want to help people, but I can't send estimator Andy or estimatorian out there and um and for a whole bunch of leads where they're not able to like take care of their families with the uh, you know selling them and things like that so we just we want to provide value but we have to provide value in a reasonable amount of time so we don't waste the people in my company's time as well too here so um all right let's see what else do we got here uh employment being mobile this is something that i felt over the last five years and i'm seeing this in all sorts of um, other industries now where we always kind of think the trades are itinerant um, but a lot of weird things are going on right now. Like, uh, APC magazine, uh, just released their next survey and there's an overwhelming amount of people that are 55 plus in the trades. Again, not good or bad, but so much so that in the next, you know, 10 to 20 years, we're going to lose the majority of tradespeople in the United States. And we're not really doing the job we should right now, attracting the next, uh, series of, uh, of people to be in the industry. This is my cue to put the umbrella up. And probably about 10 minutes left out here. So um, employment is mobile. I've seen this in other industries where, honestly, people used to be very self-conscious about having a resume where they change jobs every 6 to 12 months. And nowadays, they do not. There doesn't seem to be the stigma there. And um, that's fine, whatever. 
Um, but I would not, it, somebody who has a resume where they change job every six months for the last five years, I would not expect them to change that pattern with you. Although we set up a system where that's fully uh, capable in our company and we want to give people chances, but I would not be surprised then if they, uh, if they continue that pattern. Um, employment is mobile. I uh, just talked to somebody who uh, was promoted to the CEO of a creative ad agency and uh, a quarter of their workforce left uh, in a few months uh, just because of the crazy yeah, um, economic things right now. Um, it's estimated uh, that over the last two years, 66% of all people have been looking for another job. And uh, yeah, it's just because of this crazy economic turmoil. If you watch the news too much, um, that, uh, that'll give you the indication that uh, it, it sometimes put people under more stress. Here, have a seat, babe. Um, if you, yep, be careful. Here, sit right here. If you, um, um, sorry, lost my train of thought here. If you, if you, um, yeah, sorry. Kids came in. We're good. All right. Um, what advice do you have to pre-qualify a lead? So honestly, James, I don't do a whole bunch of pre-qualifying because I've never found a discussion on price to be well worth it because they don't want to tell you a price because they don't want to lock it in. Uh, clients will not normally give you a budget. So what I do is, um, are they asking for a job that you do? And are they in your geographical area? And is the time they want it in, in a reasonable amount of time? And if all those things are yes, then are you taking them in the house? Good. All right, bud. Yeah. And then we'll, uh, yeah. So if those three things are met, we'll line up an estimate with them. But if they, if they want something that we don't do in an area that we don't do on an unreasonable amount of time, that's basically how we pre-qualify. Here, you come sit over here, baby. Thank you. Okay. Here, Otto. You want to sit over here too? Sure. All right. We'll finish this thing up here. Um, pre-qualifying leads. Um, uh, Mark Adams, friend of the industry, been doing this 43 years. Smartest thing we ever did was join the PCA 19 years ago. Next business coaching and this type of sharing our words. Yeah, exactly, man. You got the ethos right there. So uh, I am not here being a show for the PCA, but I will tell you this. Um, on a very objective level, the PCA changed my life. About five or six years ago, I got involved with people like Jason Paris, Mark Adams, the rest of the people at the PCA. And uh, I've become a better person and a better leader because of it, because of collaborating with other people. You can collaborate with painters all over the country and the world without the PCA, but the PCA is a dog whistle <laughs> and a lighthouse to people like me and like you guys watching the show here. So I would say uh, if you want the cheat code for where to find people like you, the PCA is that right there. Uh, Daniel Lindquist. Yep. See you, baby. Uh, 100% correct on written down SOPs. I've worked for companies that have no written SOPs for job roles. Um, Number one, it's a total disservice to your employees not to have one. Number two, I've watched the good employees leave. Absolutely. Daniel Lindquist, uh, I know you're a, fel a fellow New Prague guy here. We went to school together. You summarized possibly the plight of the industry over the last 40 years, which is good people are here. Good people are looking to us for these awesome jobs and careers and satisfying work and well pay, uh, good pay and good benefits. They come here and they kind of see disorganization and they see people who are kind of like, it's all verbal. We're just going to get out there and do it. And they don't communicate a path forward. And that that is kind of the plight of the industry. Um, even if you're a single person painting company, having something written down, training somebody on it, knowing what a win is and then showing them a future. That's the key to reforming this industry right here. So, all right, Brent Judd, do you look at all estimates, even one bedroom or bathroom, or are you virtually estimating any jobs? 
the only time we'll virtual estimate is when somebody says, we're buying a house four weeks from now, we don't have access to it, will you give us a ballpark price? Yes, we'll go to the real estate link and do that. Once in a while, Estimator Andy will do some virtuals for people, but it's kind of on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, the hit ratio isn't always normally that high. Um, the value of what we can provide, that in-person, face-to-face, on-the-spot estimate, is completely lost in that. And then we're basically just a price data point for them. And we can't really communicate our value. So we're kind of we're kind of just careful about those things. We, we don't have a high expectation for them. So, all right, let's see what else we got here. Um, do, 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 do. Great advice, Nick. Focus on work now, not what's going on around you. Uh, the news, et cetera. Don't worry about things out of your control. Boy, that is, that is it. Thank you so much. Daniel Linquist, they expect a standard because it holds everyone accountable and makes people want to perform. It holds everybody accountable, not just the employees, the boss as well, too. And that's what I love. I love that clear and transparent. I want to move the thing here. Why don't you hold this? I don't want to have you outside of it. Um, it holds it holds uh, the leadership team accountable and it holds your boss accountable. Uh, I, nothing I like more than a nice, transparent way to win for everybody. And I like... Um, I believe that pay, compensation, benefits, performance standard should be um, uh, should be light switches. You either did it or you didn't, and it should be uh, transparent and easy to agree on, things like that. So, yeah, it's an absolutely wonderful thing, and uh, it's what all businesses do. The trades don't have a lot of doing that right now, so that's kind of what we're trying to fix here. So, all right, uh, let's see. Um, news, news is making people twitchy. Um, I haven't watched news in a lot of years, and I'm not one of those uh, neophytes that's kind of out there saying, you know, all that stuff is bad because I do intake news, but in a very special way, which is I look for just large trends. I look for interesting things, mainly more like economic and business related, just because it's kind of like curious to me. Um, so I will read about the Great Recession. I will read about, you know, employee surveys about what they want. I will read about the latest and greatest in onboarding and training because I want to stay on the cutting edge of all that stuff. But I do know that um, I've seen the industry before the global pandemic. I mean, harken back two and a half years ago. Um, people used all, all, all a whole bunch of excuses that were probably not true at that time, why their businesses weren't working, that their clients weren't happy. And it's, it's all the same old stuff. There's no good help. I don't know what to charge for X and all this other stuff. And then the global pandemic changed and all those people switched their excuses to, well, now there's a global pandemic. What could you possibly do? What do you want me to do with this? And then there's a supply chain shortage. What do you want me to do with this? We have consistently grown over those years by falling back to mastering the basics. And this is something that you guys know that is near and dear to my heart, which is at the start of every year, I go through a whole series of Ask a Painter live shows called Mastering the Basics. We go through job costing, estimating, uh, production, coding science, standard operating procedures, standards. And over the years, I have been served insanely well by sticking to the fundamentals. Um, taking care of your people, golden rule kind of stuff. Um, having a professional business that can afford um, the right kinds of talent and give your people a really high pay and benefits and give your clients a really good experience. And nobody's perfect, right? Like we're not going to have a 100% hit ratio on that stuff. But overall, we're doing an amazing job. And the people that I've gathered up here are amazing human beings uh, changing the industry as we speak. All this is possible because we master things like the unsexy mundane job costing and standard operating procedures and compensation plans and things like that, employee handbooks. It just adds 
it adds a level of comfort, stability, and transparency to the entire work there. So, um, okay, let's see what else we got here. You sound like a quality tradesman. Are you sound like quality tradesmen are easy to find? Nobody said easy. Um, we put forth about 50 hours, and we put forth about uh, I think maybe three or four, somewhere between three and five thousand dollars of uh, either um, recruiting time and posting on job boards to get two to four quality applicants. And then if we have an apprenticeship group of two to four, it will typically cost us between maybe three and $8,000 to train an apprentice when you're all said and done to a certain standard. And yeah, Nick, it's, it's one of those things where this is not me saying this is easy. This is me saying we are super intentional about this and uh, we get out there and actually do something about it instead of the, the Craigslist ad, the free Craigslist ad that says must lift 50 pounds, must have your own tools, pay based on experience. If you get no results off that, you shouldn't be surprised. That's how our industry is recruited for the last 40 years, and it doesn't inspire anybody at all. So I would I would urge you to try something else. Uh, trying something else is Alex Marks, who's watching now, our most senior craftsperson in the company. That attracted an awesome human being like Alex Marks to come join us, and it has kept him here uh, for almost five years plus now. And uh, yeah, Alex, we are insanely grateful for you. Uh, you certainly don't have to take the time to watch this on a, on a Saturday, but uh, I'm grateful for you and everything you do for our people as well here too. So thanks, man. Um, Timothy Parker, uh, thanks for watching. All right, folks, that's going to be it for us. Uh, it is starting to drizzle here. We're going to call Ask a Painter today, and uh, thanks for hanging out with me today, bud. Yeah. It was pretty exciting, right? All right, everybody, have a good fourth weekend. I appreciate you very much. Uh, follow Ask a Painter live, share this, send some stars. Like I said, who knows what they are, who knows what we're going to use them for, but I hear tell that they're going to be monetized in some way, and when we accumulate enough, we will use them for some fun purpose for the viewers of this show, something like that. So everybody, have an, a great extended weekend. Uh, I got a lot of family time ahead of me, which I have not made a lot of time for. Uh, in the past couple months. So I am really going to relish the next couple of days here with these little guys and our puppy back home here. So, all right, everybody, have a good weekend and thank you for the awesome, awesome, awesome conversation today. Paint Ed Podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.